Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The machine works. Do the kids know? Well... Yeah, the kids know. That's great! It's not that great. Why? I shrunk the kids. Good morning, video games. Welcome to Filthy Casuals, a podcast about video games hosted by three very kind and extremely knowledgeable boys. Thank you very much for joining us. My name is Tommy Dasselow, and joining me, as always... Ben Vanell here. Good morning, listeners. Welcome to the show. It's it's so wonderful to have you here. Uh, it's also wonderful to have our third co-host, Mr. Adam Knox. It might be wonderful for you. It's uh, still difficult for me. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sick, and I was at that point where I'm like, I think I'm getting better. And now, doing like... A little yeah. bit of talking for an hour or two yeah. already has uh, made me realise like, oh, yeah, man, you got more to do. <laughs> you got more mending to get done. But, uh, yeah, sorry if my voice sounds a bit gross, but, you know, if you're going to judge me for that, fair enough. Everyone's different. That's a that's a huge part of the illness process. You start to feel better and you do too much too soon. Mm. And in this case, too much was playing grounded for 45 minutes. I was running around <laughs> in a garden... Chopping yeah. at stuff. Honestly, you did seem the most focused and and into the game as we were playing it. So clearly, yeah, you put all your energy into that. And now uh, for the podcast, the thing with the <laughs> more listeners. <laughs> um, but uh, no, yeah, we played 50% baby! <laughs> it just came out of early access, what, like three days ago or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite recently. Yeah. Um, and it had been up there since like halfway through last year or something, right? Yeah. Like, Yeah, if not longer. It might have even been... Yeah, like a COVID, a mid-COVID thing. I'm, I can't remember. I think it was after the Series X was out, but then again, maybe I'm wrong about that even. It's been, I feel like it's been around for quite a while and they were talking about it. Yeah. And it, and it kind of came and went. And I guess we might as well just right now be like, because I, I haven't played that much Grounded. Mm-hmm. I think, Tommy, you've played a bit, but not that much either. And we just played a bit of co-op for like an hour then. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch a video of us on our YouTube uh, playing it all together. Yep. I was interested in it. I went in yesterday, played a bit of the single player and absolutely hated it. <laughs> and just playing it with you guys, you, you kind of do, you kind of, I thought it was going to be like a, like a different, like a deathmatch mode or something when mm. you played it online, but you basically go through the same kind of objective beats, um, but you just have other people running around with you. And I got to say, I enjoyed that a lot more than I did the single player. I just, I just kind of found it a bit like I've, I've done that kind of thing before that gathering resources and crafting and the, I found that, you know, the setting's cool, but the, the design of it and everything, I just found it very, um, didn't grab me, found it a Mm. bit, you know, nothing in it to really make me, um, 
uh, want to stick with it. But yeah, if I was to play through it with uh, with you guys or just anyone kind of um, in the in the co op online, I think that'd be the way to do it. Like I was really enjoying that. <coughs> yeah, it it does come across as a little bit No Man's Earth. It, it is very much like collect these resources to build this thing to to, to allow you to collect more resources. And we mm. we did die a heap, and it felt like we were maybe going into the wrong areas. But um, I think yeah, for for the for the person, for the gamer who likes that kind of game, it's probably an uh, another great entry in that genre. It seems right. like I was enjoying playing the single player as well. The, right. the bit of it that I played yesterday, where yeah, I'm not often the biggest go survive person <laughs> in, in real life and in this I, I, I struggle to find reasons to uh, really go with that type of your genre, health was negatively impacted today by playing a video game <laughs> yeah go to the chemist and craft some dimatap <laughs> but uh the um there's a bit more structure to it than you know some of those open world kind of games like it right. does have a bit of a, a story and missions and objectives to kind of drive you through and i do mm -hmm. really like the setting and uh the the sort of variety it seems like you're going to get throughout that that garden but yeah it definitely is built uh with co-op in mind from the grounded up uh, <laughs> and so it was you could tell that there was there was something there if you're into that type of thing yeah, um, yeah. so yeah maybe but not a game, game pass necessarily for us but i, I right. think it seems cool yeah, it's on Game Pass, so definitely recommend if you are going to go in and uh, you have the means to do this. I would uh, recommend getting some pals together mm. and um, playing it that way because it, it completely changed my view of it from having nothing for it to being like, oh yeah, this is fun. Yeah, get um, the lads on some grounded. <laughs> nice, nice short little review there of Grounded from us. And if you like our podcast, why don't you give us a short little review? Um, we haven't asked for for people to do this for a while, but it really does help. Uh, get our show uh, in front of new people, which is something that we would love to do. So if you like Filthy Casuals, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or social media. I believe that, that you know all of those charts take social media into account as well. So a little recommendation, a little nice few words, even just saying thumbs up and giving us yep. five stars uh, genuinely helps the pod. Um and that's a way to support us if you don't uh, support us uh, on the patron, uh, the, on the Patreon or something like that. So yeah, I mm. um, just wanted to remind people that they can do that if they want to, and we really genuinely appreciate it. Yeah, um, helps a lot. Oh, so, and yes, we should say that us playing grounded was for our YouTube channel. Oh yeah, <laughs> we weren't just we weren't just fucking around with it. Uh, if you if you're interested in seeing a bit more of it and seeing us play and talk about it, it's on <coughs> our YouTube channel. As is. Uh, Dozens of videos at this point. I, I think it's hundreds. hundreds so that's it's hundreds. It's okay. definitely hundreds. Right. It's like three hundred or something like that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but uh, something that uh, did not get positive responses was Google Stadia. Yeah. Now that we've mm. said all of that about the podcast, like, hey, go support us because we want to keep doing it. It's time to announce that we'll be shutting down the podcast on January 18th, 2023. <laughs> we haven't alerted anybody. No refunds for uh, the uh, premium tier patrons. <laughs> no, uh, but Google is doing that. It's crazy. Right. Uh, so, yeah, this is um, not completely unexpected, I guess, but the, 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 the suddenness with, with which... Google announced they're shutting down Stadia to the point where developers who were working on games yeah. for Stadia learned it from this announcement. Like, mm. right. 
updates and and full games were in production for this and they were like oh okay do we fucking stop then what do you mean <laughs> yeah um so yeah it uh, it's just fully going away there's no mm-hmm. not going to be any ongoing support your library will disappear you get so you do get refunds for subscriptions that like go past that shutdown date is that that's what for every offering? game you've bought on there you oh, get a right. refund because you'll never be able to play them again yeah, so, <laughs> like yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, they I probably legally have to do this, you know. Because sure. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't ever play it again, so you know you can't be too mad about that. But you know, if mm-hmm. it's a game that you invested a lot of hours into, yeah, you know, you get the money back, so you can just go and buy it on another platform eventually. But then you got to start from scratch, which is a huge, a huge bummer. So. I mean, some people have like, you know, it's games as a service, for example, that are on there like Destiny and whatever. Bungie's come out and been like, we'll sort you out, don't worry. And like oh, Ubisoft, sure. I think yeah. has said um, they'll activate those games that you had on there on their own Uplay thing. Yes. So, right. um, which is maybe worse than just not being able to play them. <laughs> um, so people seem to be trying to do the right thing buy it i mean obviously you know it's all companies so i guess just for 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 optics and whatever if i if but also cynical, but it's good like like the weird thing is like like yeah this is all going to be as smooth a process as possible because google is one of the biggest co- companies in the world and they have money to burn but that also begs the question of like why shut it down now like surely they could have supported this financially like it can't have been a like a a company threatening drain on their finances. Why why now? Why when things like X Cloud and PlayStation streaming and Switch, you know, cloud gaming are yep. also in their infancy, like why bow out, bow out now before this has become, you know, what I assume it will be, which is like an embedded way to play games. Uh, yeah, same with like Google Plus. They just kind of yeah. dropped it really quick. Like, there's a number of Google things where if it's sort of not working out quite early, they'll be like, ah, whatever. Mm. Yeah. Which, Bailing out when it feels like they didn't even really do all that much to get people on board with it. No. Like, yeah. genuinely, if it weren't for doing this podcast and trawling the news every week for things to talk about, I don't think I would have ever known that it existed. <laughs> Especially I think I in Australia. To, yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Um, it kind of feels like to bail out when you barely made any kind of push to get people to know that it exists is is strange, but uh, yeah. And I Google is, yeah, giving those refunds, but they're not doing anything in the way of like trying to get those saves across. Like that's the actual developers having to do that themselves right, right, to, right. to try and do it right. Like there's a couple of games that are exclusive to Stadia. Yeah. Now the developers are being like, okay, well, this means that we're free of our exclusivity contract, I think. So we'll bring them over to PC normally. Right. Those controllers they gave out with Stadia are weirdly tied to only being usable with Stadia via Bluetooth. You can plug them into <laughs> a PC and they work, but as a Bluetooth controller, it only works with Stadia. Unless oh, that's it's weird. I don't know if Google intends to update that, but someone you would imagine will come up with an update for that. But yeah, that's a strange extra little thing. But so it's... Yeah. it's what is that? Like just under four years they were able to keep that up for. Fuck. March yeah, 2019. Damn. It was launched. Uh, so, yeah, rest in peace, Google Stadia. 
We barely knew ya. <laughs> we really did, <laughs> honestly, barely knew ya. Like the, the the rollout, it being sort of trials in different regions, everything about it felt so tentative and non-committal. The fact that yeah, mm. the exclusive games that are on it are smaller games from from like double A, you know, publishers or, or sorry, developers at at best. It's like you're the fucking second biggest company in the world after Amazon. Why, why yeah. did you allow this to fail? Well, what bigger company could have done this? Oh, let me Google it. Oh, wait. It's fucking Google. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a management, some some manager there, some person has got to be a little like, ah, fuck it, dump it. Yeah. Like, yeah. A little yeah. trigger happy with that, possibly. Well, they, uh, yeah. But it did also pro- seem like they weren't super invested in it from when they launched it because it was like this weirdly half-hearted thing for most of the time. Them yeah. also charging full price for these streaming games rather than having yeah. like a game pass style service which is what we all mm. assumed it would be when it was announced mm-hmm. that i think was a big error yes it only they appealed are... to people who didn't own a pc or a console because yeah like if you owned if you already had a a, a piece of hardware that you could play games on then yeah but like okay it's just another shop front with full price games and weird mm. controllers and even underlining like the fact that you could use existing you know other controllers with the service was was yeah. a bit you know not surfaced properly it, it everything about it was just off i because, think it's you know cloud gaming it, it appeals to people with fast internet but yeah they just didn't quite get it right yeah i think it's fairly telling about stadia that a lot of the people I've seen be like, Stadia's actually all right, are also like, I got it because at one point it was the cheapest way to get a Chromecast. (laughs) So I don't know how many people were ever interested in Stadia as its own thing, but whatever, doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They flew too close to the sun. Better to head back to their original um, gaming service, which was just occasionally putting a very simplistic game into the Google Doodle. That's... (laughs) That's a good thought. People lost their minds when yes. fucking Pac-Man showed up in there one day. When it's a they free bonus. Just, yeah, yeah. Just stick to that. Yeah. <laughs> if that if that little Google symbol had been like, by the way, pay us six dollars so you can play Pac-Man. <laughs> it's the same price as anywhere else. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, from now people. from now on, if they're putting like Assassin's Creed Valhalla in the Google Doodle. That is a that that would win me back over. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need a special controller to play it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> nah. Yeah, I'm back. And out. your character is like just a weird red G. Yeah. Mm. Yep. <laughs> I guess the now, G is blue in Google. Oh yeah. Sorry, sorry yeah. for getting that wrong, everybody. I'm so sorry. Mm. I've been cancelled like Stadia. Just this, the suddenness of it and everything is so shitty to do to to developers and stuff as well. That's yeah. Such yeah. A, like kind of thoughtless way to do it but yeah i guess they figure if they give them the heads up then it's gonna leak inevitably anyway as everything tends to now so sure but yeah um well hey we should say uh we are at the time of recording we are about 20 hours away from the premiere of the trailer for the super mario brothers movie Mm. Um, it's it's happening in the form of a Nintendo Direct, which yes. is very funny because I believe it's just going to be the trailer right. airing at a set time, which I don't know. I, 
I respect keeping all the branding in house, but it seems very unnecessary. I think there's more stuff to it because the way they the way they said it was like a Nintendo Direct featuring the trailer. I think there'll probably be more stuff, maybe like a little interview or something. I don't know that, but it, I imagine that I, they'd like at least that. introduce it and and have a little spiel about it. Mm. Um, I'm gonna see if yeah I can find the like the actual like media release about yeah. it. Yeah, but less uh, than but, twelve so, yeah. hours from yeah the you might be listening this. to this. While mm. that's out in the world, and uh, be be wondering, um, yeah, why we're not touching on it, and that's why. But what they have shared is a, uh, a, a like a teaser poster, yeah, which I got to say looks pretty good. It's slightly, it's restored my faith in the project a little bit. Right. Yeah. It looks like Mario. That they they've it's some CG art that looks like how Mario looks. Yeah, it's a cool like. Big grand scale, like big tall kind of thing with all these like different pipes and little levelly looking things on it. It's like, all right, I think, you know, <laughs> they kind of get it. But yeah. the, the, the cause for alarm is that uh, Mario has his back to the viewer in a very like the actual, you know, how he looks is going to be this big reveal in the trailer. And that, that, gives, me, that gives me the heebie-jeebies <laughs> <laughs> about well, what Illumination are going to have been allowed to do with the design. We've all seen his face because what was it? Someone working in a fucking Mc- Best Buy, a McDonald's. A oh, it was yeah. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Which apparently McDonald's also was responsible for leaking the early Sonic um, <laughs> imagery as well. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's there is a picture of Mario on a bit of McDonald's, you know, promo press uh, print art, and he looks a bit strange. Yeah, he, yeah, he just looks like yeah that that kind of little bit off. Like, why did you change his face just a a bit? Like, he it's not that he looks more like Chris Pratt or anything. He just looks no. like somebody was had Mario described to them and then had another crack at it. Just that little right. bit weird. Um, yeah, it's he's got I mean, like big yeah, fat shoulders so- and. It's. I think it's a strange angle as well, right? He's sort of like jumping yeah. and and also it's a weird angle of the print ad. <laughs> that the photo is yeah, off. Sure. Like, uh, it's all. It's yeah. It is it also didn't... definitely Mario. Like you look at it and you're like, oh, that's Mario's face. So it's not like too, like, oh no, what have they done to my boy? No, it's mm. not ugly Sonic or anything like that, by any means. Mm. No. Uh, in this poster as well, a couple of little details that are here that I can see. There's an antique shop. Yep. And in the antique shop, it's all little 8-bit p- pickups from the early games. Yeah. So they're making jokes about how the older games are old. Okay. Uh, Captain Some Toad. Stuff. We love that. Captain Toad's there. Yes. Yep. Captain yes. Toad and his little team are all kind of walking around. Or they're mm-hmm. just other Toads, but that's definitely the captain. Uh, there's another There's an shop. aquarium with one of the little fishies on it. Yep. Um, Something I noticed that uh, that gave me that again gives me a very bad vibe is that you might notice Mario on his little boots. He's got uh, he's got little shoelaces, <gasps> sure. which says to me that there's going to be part of like a three quarters of the way through montage, like a close up of him lacing up the boots and going, "Let's do this." Mm-hmm. Which right. Or uh, he'll it'll be like a big dramatic build up, and he'll go to jump and trip over his own shoelace and be like, "Oh no." <laughs> I mean, just the just the um the uh, the dynamic of Miyamoto being in at the office in an illumination, the makers of Minions, 
and just them having to have a powwow about what this movie should be is is so fascinating to me. Just yeah. like just them pitching a lot of like we got this kind of humor and just this old Japanese man looking back at them and being like in his Pikmin shirt, being like, <laughs> "What the fuck? What are you talking about?" You all need this to keep in mind Mario's main trait is cool. <laughs> That's always been his big thing about Mario. He's got weird little spit gloves, and yeah, people are like making fun of him, like he doesn't have an ass. I don't know. I think he looks. That's how people look in dungarees. Yeah, he's got he's, he's a, got a normal ass there. He's a man who has like a giant head and a three quarter body, and he's wearing overalls, and he's not real. <laughs> yeah, he's I don't know man, what not you expected. Man. That's right. Um, but then the also like there's texture to the overalls. The hat looks like it's made of felt. Like there the there's a realistic texture to a lot of this stuff, mm. which uh, I think we all agree like worked in the Pokemon movie. It worked in Sonic t- when it actually came out. Like it's fine to 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 make that leap. I actually think it was like some of the coolest stuff about the animation of Detective Pikachu. So. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, for sure. I, I'm ex- still excited to see it. I'm more excited to see the trailer, and I'd love to see the the animation matching up with the voice cast that you know we're already aware of. So yeah, yeah. very ex- very yeah. excited to see this. Uh, it's th- this Nintendo yeah. Direct tomorrow. The poster renewed my faith in it uh, mm. quite a bit because I mean, if this was like a teaser poster for a new game, I'd be losing my fucking mind. Oh like, sure. I love the I love the scale of the world, and it seems like they kind of yeah they really get the this sort of space that these games inhabit and kind of fleshing them out into like a real actual three-dimensional thing that the games have never really had to bother with so yeah Mm. if they if they pull that off then yeah i'm excited to see the full trailer yeah you can uh listen to our episode where we reveal the entire plot uh from a couple months ago (laughs) i think that was (laughs) yeah um so that was really fun uh it's definitely going to be actually the plot of of the movie um, yeah, I'm hoping we get in there. the trailer. Uh, mm. I'm hoping we see a good amount of Jack Black's Bowser. That's the thing oh, I yeah. keep. I keep mentally coming back to that, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? This could rule. This could be fucking sick. Yeah, I think Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong is still the best. Uh, the best <laughs> casting. That's fucking great. But yeah, we'll see more tomorrow. We'll, we'll find out tomorrow. One thing we'll never see is the the proper sequel. To Disco Elysium that they were developing because a bunch of yeah. the main people at that studio have been, what was the term they used? They uh, left involuntarily, something like yes, that. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. They uh, involuntarily departed the studio. Um, so those people are the lead writer and designer, the lead artist, and one of the writers. So, um, yeah, the thing with the studio behind Disco Elysium is it was like, the gaming studio arm of a sort of progressive art collective. Uh, I think they're based in London or somewhere in the UK at least. And they had been making stuff before this game. It just wasn't games um, right. by, by the sounds of things. It was more like um, yeah, digital art, um, sort of experimental uh, installation art and stuff like that. But um, it sounds like... Installation art-, art. That's what like the, the big... The big 640 by 480 images you got when you were like putting Diablo on your computer. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Like... It's the splash screen. Yeah. 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 Or, or I guess it was like the sort of very pixelated Microsoft installer thing where it was like the little um, files coming out of the filing thing and into a computer. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Loved that. Yeah. That did so look they, cool. They really. I can't believe um, they're actually moving files around in there. 
I know. <laughs> but this collective has grown a lot, clearly. Um, they've, they went from that to making Disco Elysium, which was a fantastic game. Very cool uh, visuals. And uh, yeah, the writing and sort of the creative vision of that game was, you know, why it was so sick. So it is really a shame that these people have been forced out. Um, I guess it's a company, so they would have been fired from the company and uh, some kind of weird crossover with having to leave the you know the collective as a, as a as a thing. Yeah, we don't know why, right? No, it doesn't look like it. Um, they, yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but so so who's this guy? Martin Luiga Luigi. Um, <laughs> he's also a founding member of the collective and he was an editor on Disco Elysium. So he, he's the one who announced it. He followed up to say that, um, uh, someone asked about what, how it would affect the, um, sequel. And he said, nah, I think that things with the sequel are actually sweet enough. You might even get it the way it was meant. It might take a shit ton of time, but RPG fans are sort of accustomed to waiting, ain't they? Um, so I assume that like the writing has been done, and the the you know the the, the vision behind the sequel was already established because um, they're already working on it, and the people who left are yeah like the writers, designers, and artists with which is a shame, but uh, it's it's uh, it's it's weird. It's like a sh- it's one of those too beautiful to be you know, sustainable things where it seemed like a, a group of people who were genuinely interested in making like artistic works in the video game space and, and were less concerned about money. And I think that financial pressures or, or the people who are in the, the financial or the production positions were, I think, maybe behind these departures. Um, that's at least been the speculation that, that it was like a money or a corporate, you know, directed thing. Um, which is, yeah, not fun. Yeah, I have seen people sort of commenting that, like, you know, the real sequel to this game about corporate the capitalism destroying uh, the these societies is capitalism destroying the people who created this story about capitalism destroying the world but like yeah i don't i who knows that's we i guess we're speculating about why they left because no one said an official thing about it for 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 reasons but um I, you know, the people who are still there are probably creative people and I'm sure that whatever mm. they work on, they will be working on with that same ethos that we yeah. were just talking about. So I'll just read. So there's a little Medium post from the guy, Martin Luiga, who uh, who was also the one responding to tweets. And uh, it says, he, uh, as an assembler of most of the core team, is hereby dissolving the ZAUM Cultural Association. And then in brackets, not to be confused with the ZAUM Company. Um, so that is okay. obviously, you know, the company that's making the games. If I'd have uh, wanted them not to be confused with each other, I'd have named them very different things. <laughs> I think that's very fair. <laughs> um, the reason for dissolving the cultural organization is that it no longer represents the eth- ethos it was founded on. People and ideas are meant to be eternal. Organizations may well be temporary. Um, so, yeah, it just sounded like a became a bit of a clusterfuck but it is a real shame because that game uh, is maybe you know it's top two or three all time for me and was beloved and and a real real artistic statement so to see like the only organization that is like openly been like number one is the art number two is the money um yeah it sucks 
number it two sucks. for the show. But like, <laughs> it does make sense. I think you sort of um, alluded to this before that like when you've got something that's a little bit lightning in a bottle like Disco Elysium, it, it, it's not surprising to see that foundation struggle to maintain its uh, structural integrity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see it a lot in the arts, unfortunately. Yeah. And you I see the... This... Huh? No, go. Well, I was just going to say you see the exact opposite thing happening where an unartistic pillar can be the strongest pillar of all, <laughs> such as remastering Horizon Zero Dawn already. <laughs> yeah. This almost seems like bait for, you know, it's like, oh, you were, you were worked up about The Last of Us Part 1. Totally. Or fucking... How do you like this? Mm. This is someone just pushing the boundaries a little further every time. Yeah. Uh, Coming up next, a remaster of Gran Turismo 7. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's peculiar because that game is out on PC already, so it doesn't have the same thing that we were sort of speculating about The Last of Us Part 1 where they were doing that so that they could get a PC version going as well. Yep. And there's no... T- I mean, there is a Netflix show that they're making of Horizon... Yeah, that's so, that's the one thing that that appears to yeah ha- give it some kind of reason for happening now, but yeah. like, are, are people really more likely to buy the game after seeing the show if the game says it was remastered in twenty twenty three, like or twenty twenty four, whenever this is going to be? Like, no, uh, it seems it seems dumb to me, especially and when I, and I'm th- really smart. <laughs> 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 when when the 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 things at this is all sort of rumour that does seem pretty confirmed by a number of people. Like there are a fair few sort of insidery type people who are saying, yeah, this is happening. Yeah. But um, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is five fucking years old at this point, nearly six, but not not particularly old. Uh, mm. It is... This version will see new character models, improvements to the game lighting, game's lighting system and animations, and overhauled textures, which are like the elements of the game that least need to be brought up in line with... There's stuff around the climbing and the way it moves and controls Mm. and stuff that I think you could improve that Mm. Forbidden West did improve on. And it doesn't sound like that is the focus of of this particular project. What the scale of this is to, maybe it's just like a PS5 native version that they're sort of working on. Who knows? Mm. But um, it's it's peculiar and it has led to the thing of like, why aren't you doing Bloodborne? It's like, well, because that's a different studio. So like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it's much older, and the code base, you don't know if it's as compatible. And yeah, so like you said, this is uh, this is coming to PC. Um, uh, well, yeah, or- Zero Dawn 1 already is there, and this is like a PS5 remaster that you would assume is coming to PC. And there's also some old online multiplayer that I think is a new thing yes. for PC that's part of this. It's a new game. That, right. Similar to that Last of Us one, where they're right, just right. making a Horizon multiplayer game as a, a spin-off thing, I guess, like the VR thing or something, where it's just a Horizon thing, but it's a it's a separate multiplayer game that we don't have too many details about. No, yet because Sony also said this week that there's I I don't remember what this was in. I think it was some like earnings call, whatever board thing, mm. where they were talking about how they view putting Sony first party stuff on PC, and we're basically like. We're going to keep making the same sorts of games we've been making, but probably expand meaning games as a service as well as single player. Right. And the, those types of games as a service game will probably come to PC same day. 
and that they will continue to put right. out single player type stuff on PC, but probably at least a year later is what they said. That was their words, right, right, at right. least a year. So okay. I wouldn't imagine that this 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 Zero Dawn remaster is even necessarily focused on being a PC thing because that game's already out there. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, right. Who this is for, but that game's still just fine. And uh, Forbidden West is great. I finished it the other day. In yeah, Lilo, wow. Six stupor and um, really enjoyed it. It's <laughs> it's such a good, uh, beautiful looking, fun to play, creative game that improves on that first one so much. Um, little buggy, but mm. I, I love the sort of half cliche, half original sci-fi story they got going on. I love the like semi-monster hunter, semi-generic third-person shooter game they've got under there. It just... Yep really all comes together in that second one. So if you've still not played that and have access to it, um, I reckon give it a, give it a little crack. Cause so the story is yeah. still fun. Cause I really did like the, the story of the first one. And I guess, what was it? It was Elden Ring that came out this year, right after, <laughs> yeah. or right, yeah. Yeah, right, right after, after this. And, and just, I've replayed that game five times and have not touched uh, Forbidden West since, but if the story is fun still, I, I definitely do want to go back to it. They do a similar thing that was good about the first one where it sort of reveals about this past world that are the sort of the main thing that's driving you through it mm-hmm. mixed with some, you know, all right side stuff with like the, the sort of new tribes of the the old world. But Aloy is a lot more like uh, confident and knowledgeable the mm-hmm. second time, which I think really works. It's got sort of a Mass Effect thing going on where you've got like a base and a crew uh, that oh, develop yeah. over time, and mm-hmm. um, it 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 spends its time expanding on that old world of the first one, and then setting stuff up for an inevitable third one that I enjoyed, and okay. like good performances, especially from uh, Carrie Ann Moss as she gets more and more involved in the story. I really liked nice. her in it, and um, Ashley. Uh, Fuck, I forget, but the, the the actor who plays Aloy is great. Cool. Ashley Olsen? <laughs> Similar. <laughs> God, that was the I only Ashley I could think of that wasn't just someone we know through the comedy scene <laughs> in Melbourne. <laughs> Ashley Birch. Ah, Ashley two trees. Birch. Two trees for names. Ash and Birch. Oh, yeah. I reckon Oak. this woman's secretly a tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it, Forbidden West is uh, still good, and I think it goes on sale every now and again now. So right, um, yeah, I should pick it back up. I I did Same. I did like it when I was playing it, but I felt like I was the beginning of it. It's like so much. It's just like setup after setup after setup, yeah. where I felt like it was taking ages to get to a point where I was just kind of in the game and doing my mm. thing, and I. I feel like I maybe just got to that point and then, yeah, Elden Ring came out. and then I think yeah. similar yeah. to the first one, that sort of back third of the game is really the bit where you're like, oh, now I'm fully on right. board yeah, yeah. with this, which sure. is, you know, kind of weird. And that can be anywhere up to 30 hours in or something. And then right. if you're doing all the side stuff, you can play that for probably 100 whatever hours. Like, Well, you're going to need more than 100 hours to play all of CG Project Red's upcoming games, including <laughs> uh, The Witcher 3 Remaster, which is slated for sometime this year, which is exciting. That is a game that I would like to play again. It's been probably a couple of years at least since I went all the way through it for maybe the second time. And uh, that's them doing game. 
like updates for the current consoles rather than like a yeah. re-released remaster. That's a patch. Yes, it is. It's the next gen patch that so many other games have had already. Yeah. But it is a great excuse to play that. I, I believe it's free. Yes. I'd be surprised if on the back of their you know last few years of PR if it uh, wasn't free. But uh, on top of that, they've announced uh, the sequel to Cyberpunk uh, is in development. It's called Project Orion. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. which is a great chance for them to uh, continue building on the goodwill that they have because I think a lot of people have come back to Cyberpunk in the past two months and really are enjoying it. And then uh, they've also announced a second trilogy of Witcher games. So they've announced eight things total. Jesus! <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because that there's the new Witcher trilogy. Yep. Uh, the first of which were... Won't be out until like at least 2025, they've mm-hmm. said, which makes total sense. But so they'll be making three more Witcher games. The first one also codenamed Polaris. So, yes, there's Polaris and then probably some other... I don't know if the second two in that trilogy have their own names, but then there's also no. a couple of Witcher spin-offs mm. called Sirius and Canis Majoris. And they're both not by CD Projekt. They're both like licensed out Witcher, but one of them's an RPG and the other one I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, there's Phantom Liberty, which is the cyberpunk expansion that we knew about. So yep. I guess they didn't announce that. There's Orion, which is a cyberpunk sequel. And there's something completely new called Hadar. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, this looks like, yeah, this is going to be their next IP, their next potential, you know blockbuster franchise and i think an original thing is the idea they're not going to be because cyberpunk licensed from the rpg the tabletop thing the witcher Mm. is from the books i think this is their own thing yeah 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 they're quoted as saying that it is an entirely distinct ip and that it will be created from scratch so that's i mean it's a shame what happened with cyberpunk it really seems as though they know why it fucked up oh yeah have yeah. been able mm. to patch a lot of why it fucked up and have been able to recoup a bit of that goodwill, not to the same degree that they would have had in, you know, July of 2020 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, clearly they think they've got it in them to make 150 games, so yeah. <laughs> go for I, it. I mean, yeah, it, so I, I think I'll talk about it next week because we're going to talk about the the Netflix anime series. Um, but I have been playing Cyberpunk again. And even as someone who enjoyed it the first time, it has had so many improvements patched in that just make it more fun to play. And yeah, I think that in retrospect, it really was like, okay, so they developed a single player campaign that happened to be first person shooter. They developed the uh, visuals of a big city and then they ran out of time to do anything in terms of fleshing that city out, making it feel lived in or even making any of the AI work properly. So uh, uh, clearly they've spent a couple of years just doing that shit. Um, Right. It's similar to No Man's Sky and like other kind of big bomb type of mm, games where often with a a game that bombs like that, it's just that it came out before it was done. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, good for them. Yeah. I like The Witcher. The fact that they said they were never going to make another Witcher game a couple years ago, and now they're like, oh, we meant five. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we put we, we depressed the wrong key. We said zero, but we meant five. It's yeah. crazy. But. 
right. even if even if Cyberpunk was a huge success, and it was financially, I think people always forget that. Like, it made heaps right. and heaps of money. Even with the refunds counted in, you know, made millions and millions of dollars. Like, I guess they were probably just going to make more Cyberpunk games, and then they realized, like, well, we've still got to make more Cyberpunk games, but now we've probably got to make even more Witcher games because that's what people think of as liking from us. Yeah, and I guess yeah. they they certainly know how to, at least, you know, The Witcher 3 is one of the best games that's ever been made still. So, like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say no. I'll say, <laughs> okay, with a little <laughs> sceptical look that's quite condescending to a group of people who know much more about building games than me. <laughs> yeah, I I'll feel like it. maybe if they had just uh, gone straight into this new IP, they feel like there would be a bit of maybe like a lack of trust after yeah, yeah. Cyberpunk, so they kind of need to just like, yeah, cleanse the palate with a bit of Witcher in between. Yeah. Come on, yeah. guys, you don't want to play Hater. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game about a guy who can do pretty good impressions on SNL. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. A Barry game would be fucking awesome. Not, not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been playing something close to a Barry game. Okay. Kind of. All right. Hit but, me. Uh, Barayonetta. Oh, yeah. Barayonetta. Yeah, yeah, I played yeah, through yeah. Bayonetta I would, 1. I would contend that that is nowhere, that's not close to Barry at all. No. She's a witch rather than a hitman, but is killing yeah. things. Yeah. She's kind of an assassin and in she's, a sense. Hey. Like she's, it's almost like she's an actor because she's like a stripper. So that mm, that's she's a in performer, the entertainment yeah. industry. Yes. Mm, yeah, okay. Mm. It's a fun fucking game. Hell yeah. yeah. I really, really enjoyed playing through Bayonetta 1. I played it on the Wii U. Uh, I found a Wii U in a garbage pile near your parents' house, Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was a good fucking time. It's such a stupid game. It's so hard to make sense of what the story is meant to be, but I ended up really enjoying that aspect of it. I didn't quite realise what a... Because it's by... um, Oh, God, what's Platinum. his name? Resident Evil 2 Devil May Cry guy. Hideki. Yeah. Him. Kamiya? That sounds right. I'm going to I'm gonna quickly yeah. look it up. Um, and I didn't think about the fact, you've got it exactly right, Tommy, um, that that would mean Whoa. like, oh, yeah, cool. We're walking around little areas and going and interacting with strange statues and doing all of that shit. Right. As well as this really fun um, combat system that just completely stayed engaging the whole way through it just yeah it feels fucking awesome doesn't it like yeah yeah i i haven't played one i've only played two but yeah i mean just immediately for me that that feeling of just pulling off those combos and getting the butt and you know doing it all correctly and just how fucking powerful you feel and like this giant like fist bursting out of you like it just it just feels so. It just might be one of the most fun feeling things to play. It's yeah. so fucking good. I, you, I don't if, need to play Bayonetta to feel like that because that's how I <laughs> I am when I fight people in real life. Yeah, right. Well, if you're Ben's not doing a lot of PR for himself on this app. <laughs> if you've never played Bayonetta or walked a mile in Ben's shoes, just to yeah. give you a little explanation or, of it, or played Devil May Cry. It is similar to Devil May Cry. It's kind of Devil May Cry if the importance of the shooting in the melee were flipped. Mm. Where the shooting is the yeah, less yeah, yeah. important in Bayonetta, you're punching and you're kicking is your main meat and potatoes. 
you're uh, mm-hmm. running up to a bunch of different sort of angels. They're all heaven. I love that Japanese thing of making Christian imagery look all mm. weird and beating it up. Mm. Um, and you're you're beating up a bunch of angels in pretty interesting environments, going through and uh, building up this sort of. Uh, you know, special gauge thing that once you uh, get that up, you can do like a powerful torture attack thing where you're doing a lot of damage to an enemy and uh, uh, hammering a button. And then the main thing is that you are dodging out of the way of attacks at the last second Mm. to enter witch time, which is bullet time, but you're a witch and you can, you can beat up enemies in slow motion. It's just so satisfying figuring out all the different types of enemies attacks so that you can dodge them. Well, um, going yep. through each of the creative different ways it gives you these combat scenarios with little twists on them, all the cool like wall running stuff when you're in the moon, you can run on the walls. Um, the weird, stupid story ends up being fun. It mm. doesn't make any fucking sense. I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler for Bayonetta 1. Um, <laughs> at the end, the so like you meet your dad who has been trying to get this young version of you the whole time but then you take the young version off of him and take her back to her time and then go back to your time and he's like haha that was my actual plan now you (laughs) are the power and it doesn't i don't get it but then he puts you in like a big statue's eye and you go up and get out of the statue's eye and that statue is like a big god and you fight it it's fuck yeah and um, then there's a f- oh, it's so much fun. I massively recommend playing this. I'm going to do two before three comes out. Uh, I think you'll love two because from yeah. what I heard at the time, yeah, two two kind of leaves one for dead, right. which is why I kind of never. I I think you got. I think when you when two came out, you you got one as a there as was like a, a bonus. There on was the a double pack thing. Was like a double pack or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I've only played two, uh, and I don't know. By the sounds of things, if one has this, but two reminded me a lot of God of War uh, pre the reboot, where the scale of the enemies was huge. The bosses were massive. There was a lot of like clambering and platforming around. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a, a lot of um, uh, what would be the word? Like uh, uh, set pieces. There were huge yeah. scale set yeah, pieces yeah. Uh, in two. Is that also there in one? Yes, I think maybe to a, a lesser degree than might be the case for two because right. it's definitely there, but it's not like... There's some really cool parts where you're like... Um, again, spoilers for one, there's like a level where you're on a motorbike going down a highway and, and there's a level where you're riding on a rocket and doing like a space harrier oh, yeah. level. And some of the bosses like uh, these quite big things where you're like surfing around in the ocean trying to shoot it. But like I wouldn't right, put it right. necessarily on the same sense of scale as God of or those early God of Wars, but, uh, similar, mm. but um, yeah, certainly it sounds like two kind of ups the ante a bit, but one is, yeah. is still really great. And I, I really, really enjoyed it uh, a lot more than I thought I would for some reason. I was always a bit, you know, humming and whoring about Bayonetta for some reason. I don't know why. Mm. I was uh, humming a humming a. About <laughs> also, I really like that element of it of like Bayonetta's character is actually pretty fun. The, yes. yeah. the like yes. silly stripper with guns for heels is like it really works yeah. and it doesn't feel like this kind of um 
the the thing that you might assume that it is when you're like, here's a Japanese game about a lady with big tits. You're like, ah, oh, here we go again. Right. But nah, this is she's cool. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not gratuitous. It's because she's the protagonist. She has all the power and agency, and she's cool. <laughs> like it's about yeah. her being cool and and you know. Um, and it's it's fun. fun and silly. She does these dances mm. that like don't they just for whatever reason and I I can't put my finger on why and if I could, I'd I'd be a full on academic. But <laughs> for whatever reason, <laughs> they don't feel like male gazy. They feel fun. Right. Yeah. I don't know what what makes the difference there. Maybe the difference is that I've gotten worse and I accept it more. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I, I went just... to a strip club the other day. Didn't feel male gazy at all. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was straight as hell. I uh, <laughs> I I just really liked it. I yeah. I, yeah. I really enjoyed playing Bayonetta. It's fun. It's silly. It's creative. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the third one and the second one will be new to me in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah, the third one's like three weeks this away month, or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, it's October the 28th, I believe. So, yeah, coming up, that's kind of snuck up. But, yeah, I, yeah. I can't wait for that. And, yeah, if you if you haven't gone in yet, you can get uh, one and two are both on the Switch. Yeah, I think at one point there was like a double pack of both of them. I think they've just brought one out um, uh, f- physically because you could only oh, download it yeah, for right. a while there. Yeah. So a physical edition one is out. on like all of the consoles as well and on pc but two is like right. locked to nintendo stuff yeah right right um but yeah they are both on switch and i think go on sale fairly regularly i played them or mm. i played one and i'm gonna play two on the wii u and one runs just fine on the wii u as well so i'm not right. too yep. worried about how bayonetta 3 will be mm-hmm. you know being a switch game and being something that is about that kind of scale and big wacky things going on and the 60 frames thing really matters right, right. there were yep. a few drops on it in the wii u uh, but they really seem to be prioritizing the right things there so it makes me feel confident that three will continue that mm. yeah um, um Tom, now tommy did you end up playing the a game that uh, does not quite require the same graphical fidelity or uh, <laughs> high processing power. Did you end up playing a game that I really enjoyed the past week? Let's build a zoo. Uh, look, uh, yeah, I dipped in on it and sort of similar to what I was saying about grounded it, it, to me, it was just a bit of like, I've, I've done this a bit, uh, recently. So it didn't, it didn't really have enough to fully grab me in. I can mm. appreciate that. Um, if you're after a, um, what would you call it? Like a theme hospital, Sim City yep. kind of game. It's a good version of them, but I was just kind of, yeah, you know, those games always like at the very, very start, like this. It's so just like this barren block of land, and oh, you got to build a build a pen and now put some rabbits in it. And I just was like, oh, I just, <laughs> I just don't really have the patience to do another one of these from from scratch right now. Well, bitch, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I I love it. It is um it's 2D. That's the main thing that uh, is worth pointing out is that it is not a sort of Planet Zoo style game. It is more of a throwback to your uh yeah, your olden days versions of this. Actually, I guess they didn't really have 16-bit city building theme park bu- building games in the same way, did they? There was a version of SimCity for the SNES. Is what this right. kind of looks like. The graphics right. are yeah, yeah. very pixelated. Pixel it looks like if you zoomed out on a Game Boy Advance game. 
Right. It's not isometric, I guess, is, is the thing. No, it's top the main down. distinct thing. Yeah, it's top down. Uh, you got your little sort of, yeah, 8-bit, 16-bit people walking around. And, uh, yeah, it, it honestly, it is a traditional sort of format of, like, here's your zoo, your tutorial will let you get it set up, the missions will be, you know, get a certain amount of people through the gate, get a certain amount of different kinds of animals. But I'm just finding the flow of it to be really, really enjoyable because unlike, yeah, most of your other, like I played Planet Zoo recently, uh, it's not like buy a tiger, import the tiger, make sure the tiger's um, enclosure has tiger stuff. It is like, all right, build a little field enclosure. Um, from the start, you can go to like this one place in the world that lets you ab- adopt or rescue animals. And they're like rabbits and pigs. And so you adopt a couple rabbits, a couple of pigs. People start coming through the turnstiles and they're like, hey, look at those cute rabbits. And those rabbits will breed. And those rabbits' uh, babies will breed. And you'll start to get new little variants as they continue to to, uh, to have kids. And zoos around the world will be like, hey, if you trade this special rabbit, we'll give you a snake uh, or two snakes. Uh, or, hey, you know, if you've got this kind of pig that's got is brown... We'll, uh, we'll give you a goose. And so you start to introduce the, these different kinds of animals. The uh, animal adoption rescue place also will so, kind of cycle through new animals as, as time passes. And you kind of slowly build up your, uh, your menagerie by doing that. Um, and you'll also at the same time have constant uh, little objectives from different people around the zoo of like... Um, yeah, get certain amount of people through the turnstiles and we'll give you a financial bonus. Or like, today, um, the, the vampire's visiting, so make sure there's some spooky animals for them to see. Or uh, <laughs> You'd think um, vampires wouldn't want to like do their work on their off time. Yeah, they are spooky. Or uh, <laughs> I think actually literally what the quest is, is make sure you have a subway system installed so they can go from one bit to the other bit oh. in the you know without going through the sun. But it, but it also like that. literally was a vampire, so it's like introducing these like silly sort of fun versions of uh, your traditional city builder, you know, park builder quests. Um, but yeah, I think because it's two D, it felt less overwhelming than a lot of those other kinds of games tend to. If you dive fully into Planet Coaster, it can be a bit like, how many fucking things have I got to manage here to make sure that this actually runs well? Um, as opposed to like us just fucking around in it and making the suicide coaster, um, this just felt a little bit simpler. Like I felt like the tutorial was easy to you know wrap my head around, and things um, do escalate relatively slowly. Um, but yeah, it has all the normal stuff of you know managing the park staff and setting ticket prices and making sure that the animals mm-hmm. have you know little uh, balls to play with and water to drink and you know that all that sort of normal stuff but um I, yeah i don't know i i'm just finding it a really enjoyable version of one of those games it's yeah it's um it's a really good one to you know chuck on a podcast or an audiobook and and just you know click away and i find the the design aspect of these games to be very fun i i do see uh empty pen or a you know an empty block of land and get excited about you know turning that into something that that like works and and looks cool so um i just have that base level of of engagement and enjoyment of these games but yeah this one's really fun it's 
It's uh, on, it's on Game Pass. It's also on, I think, Steam, uh, and maybe Switch. It's on the Switch, yeah. Yeah, um, I'd recommend playing it on a on a PC on a with a with mm. a mouse, just because it's you know that much that much easier. Um, but I just generally recommend it if you're a, a fan of you know the zoo roller coaster tycoony sort of games. This is a sick one. Don't 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 discount it for being um, 16 bit by any means. It's I think still, yeah. yeah, it's still quite. I think that's the nice robust. thing about it that it does have like a different yeah, it's such a different aesthetic to mm. all those other um, yeah style of this game that are that are popular at the moment. It definitely sticks out. Yeah, um, it, it's it is I think a little bit less c- complex or or um, demanding. I do. Th- think that it it kind of matches the aesthetic in terms of like you can fuck around with heaps of different stuff but most of the time you're like ticking off these quests getting a bit more money like at no point have i felt like have i you know been low on funds or anything like that you know it's it's more um it's just a a chill and fun version of these i think cool right but yeah well uh, check it out speaking of the uh design element of this game uh, I've fired up a game that is very design heavy, mm. um, Super Mario Maker 2, uh, yes. to play something that we talked about last week, a guy who made his own version of a Super Mario Brothers 5. It's eight worlds. It's, uh, I think it's 40 courses or something like something that. Something like that, yeah. He's made like a fully, um, yeah, a fully fleshed out um, 2D Mario game within Mario Maker, which is sort of, you know, the promise of being able to do that. Yeah. After they introduced the world map thing, mm. but to you know, this is kind of the first one that's really gotten traction and kind of been put out there as like this is the one, and um, I'm loving it. He yeah. has fucking nailed it. His brief of this this was meant to be the idea behind it is this is the game that Nintendo themselves would have made if they continued on with numbered entries in just the Super Mario Brothers after Super Mario World. What would they have done? Mm. And he's very clear about, like, he's not trying to troll you. He's not trying to, like, just have these brutal levels that are going to kill you again and again and again. He's tried to do as much kind of, like, interesting design. And, yeah, he's done such a good job of, like, all the levels have a neat little kind of different visual theme to them. He's got ones that have little puzzles. He's got, like, yeah, he's got these – he's just done a lot with the – I mean, it is a pretty broad toolbox that you get in Mario Maker 2, but it is still, you know, he's not, he, you know, he's not a dev, like, making this mm. himself. Mm. He is still making it inside a relatively constricted um, level right. editor. And, yeah, it's really, really fucking impressive. I'm yeah. having a blast with it and, and consistently forgetting that, like, oh, yeah, this is just a thing that one dude made. Like Me I, too. I, Me too. Yeah. It's just like the fact that, yeah, you end the level and you can rate it. <laughs> that is yeah. the reminder of yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah. this Because it does flow together, you know, one from the next. Um, I've just done the first world. But that, mm-hmm. I think, it uh, increases in difficulty in a, in a really Nintendo-like way. You know, yep. that, uh, that first airship is really clever in how it's designed. Like, it makes you think mm-hmm. for a second at certain points about how to navigate it even. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. I really recommend it for any any uh, Mario fan. It Especially if you're someone like me who loved basically anything up to the, the Super NES era and didn't ever get hugely into the 3D ones. This is honestly 
to it's almost reason enough to buy Super Super Mario Maker two. Because yeah, I mean, if, if you enjoy if it, you've then, got it. Yeah. yeah, if you've got it, there's like a whole, basically a whole new cool two D Mario game in there. So if you just Google like fan made Mario Brothers Five Mario Maker, you'll be able to find the um the little code for it to yes. put in. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, look, it would be great to live in a world where um, Nintendo play nice with kind of fan stuff a bit more because someone kind of taking this because also he was working on this. Back in Mario Maker One as well, and yeah, then kind of had right. to, he moved it all over into two. <laughs> yeah, um, it would be cool to see someone sort of take these level designs and put new sprite art on them because he's he also he's only used sprite art from um, uh, he hasn't used any of the new ones that are in there. So no yep. new Super Mario Brothers, no um, Mario Brothers. Uh, what is it? Three D worlds art yep. styles. But yeah, someone someone doing some new Mario pixel art that you know was kind of like a imagining that it was like the Game Boy Advance era or something mm. and, and sort of, uh, you know, taking these level designs and giving them a cohesive thing would be fucking cool. Or Nintendo themselves, yeah. like, tapping this guy and going like, hey, why don't you make a little, small little indie for us? Oh. Like, it obviously will never happen, but, yeah, this is this feels like kind of like a Sonic Mania kind of thing almost. Yes, yes. Um, um, on Twitter, this guy is called Metroid Mike 64 uh, yep. So you can go look his thing up there, and um, I'll put a little the the like maker ID, his maker ID in the in the episode description too. If you want to just go copy it out of there, yeah, it yeah. is weird that like I w- I just like booted up the game for the first time in in you know a year or whatever, and went to you know popular game like popular levels, popular worlds, and it's not there. Like you still have to look it up, and it's probably because. All those popular ones are like the ones where you just like boot up the level and it just automatically moves you through Rube Goldberg this little yeah sort of stuff. But yeah. um yeah yeah I thought it was fantastic and uh, like honestly you know a credit to Nintendo for introducing the world system and allowing people yep. to make these kinds of you know um, fan made games it and yeah like it just happened that it took one guy to you know devote like seven years of his life to it but. <laughs> <laughs> there's a fu- there's a really really good one in there now and yeah yeah it's cool to have that promise finally fulfilled on of just mm. like yeah. yeah cool he's just a straight because you could go fucking around and looking for you know just random ones but yeah someone who's actually taken the time to craft a yeah and really think about like a game and how it flows from mm. level to level um, yeah it's really really good stuff honestly forget Nintendo this guy probably I'm sure from the press from this has got an interest from publishers and stuff to just make his own game like i'd love to see this guy make a uh, his own 2d platformer whatever do some yeah know, yeah art style that that takes that'd be great. yeah cool uh mario maker one is still you can still download levels and that on the wii u i found out by wow you yeah <laughs> um speaking of things that uh, had a version called one, and then a very similar version called two that just sort of yeah. overrode the first version. Yes, yes. Uh, Overwatch two is technically out. Yep. It is one of the strangest, like, just in terms of logistics, video game releases that I know about. Yeah, there was. I feel like there was something in the past six months where it was also, and I think you played it, whatever it was, Knox, that you just sat in a lobby for you know half an hour. Mm. It might have been a Call of Duty beta or something where uh, it was, yeah, it was this ex- exact thing of booting up the game, making signing into your uh, Battle.net account, and then waiting for 50,000 other people to make their way into matches before you. 
Yeah, and we've got it slightly easier even. like So before we even talk about the game, like I think this is a US thing. I, I don't think right. it's happening in Australia that you have to link a phone or something like that, like your identity to ah, your account. Yeah. You're being oh. kind of forced to do that for security reasons, but like... Yes. If you're on a prepaid plan, it doesn't work apparently. Yeah. Over there, yeah. You need to send them like an electricity bill and shit. It's very weird. So I this, had I assume, to interact with that at all, but no, neither. I assume this is because of the the, the DDoS attack, right? No, I, they were already planning it. That wow. This was already going to be the thing. It's like a two-factor ID authentication, security, whatever thing. Right. It must be against the law here or something, right? Because uh, it certainly, uh, I it hasn't popped up. For me, no, uh, no, no, in neither. Australia. Yeah, but and Australia, yeah. we we handle uh, you know user identity and privacy uh, so well here. Yeah, true. Maybe that's why I didn't have to do it because they just went to Optus <laughs> and got it direct. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so once you're able to actually, yeah, there were DDoS attacks, which often happens with like Blizzard releases in particular for whatever reason. Right. But once you're actually able to play Overwatch two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will find that so this has deleted Overwatch One. Yes, that no longer exists. You cannot play right. that game anymore. Yep, Overwatch Two is all that well. exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Overwatch Two is Overwatch One with three more characters, and yeah. it's free to play now, and it has a battle pass. Right, and um, one day we'll have like a sort of. Uh, single player or co-op, you know, PVE um, mm-hmm. component to it. That's certainly not here yet. This this is just a weird patch for Overwatch One in a strange way. Yeah, but it, I guess it. Yeah, it doesn't cost money, so it's just yeah. But the battle pass Can't thing. Can't really get mad about it. Yeah, it, it looks well. If you liked Over Overwatch One and everything about it, <laughs> so yes, uh, that's the other thing is. <laughs> I guess yeah, it has changed more stuff than I make it sound like. Because rather than it being six v six, it's five v five now. They've changed how the game itself works. There's one yes. fewer tank on each team. Yep. Uh, I played a bit of Overwatch One back when it came out, so six years ago now, and enjoyed it at the time. And then very quickly, people got really good at it, and I didn't. And so I fell off of it and people are still very good at it from how much I've played at it, of it, you know, recently. But uh, if you've never played Overwatch, you it is a like hero shooter was the term they were calling them back in the day where it's kind yes. of like you've got almost like a Mobery uh, kind of big cast of characters who each have a few different abilities and a different weapon and fill yeah. different roles in a team. And yeah, yeah. It it kind of looks at it's set out at the bottom, sort of like a fighting game roster. But then, yes, broken into categories of basically healer, all rounder, or soldier, or whatever, and and tank. It's only three, right? Uh, yeah, it's only those three. But then yeah. in those three, you've got all these different characters who each have different abilities. You've got like yeah. three different abilities, a gun, and then a super ability. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a lot to keep track of as you're learning it. And it will take you a while to figure it out. And it is not a forgiving game if you don't know, you know, in quotes, how to play it. Right. Because it, it does play out very similarly to a, you know, like a, a Halo multiplayer or a, a, I guess a, a Call of Duty team deathmatch or capture the flag. Like it is a frenetic team based online shooter. It, it's similar to them with also like a uh, your, 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 your leagues of legend or whatever, like. Uh, it it you're certainly expected to fulfill your role correctly, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to and your your team working together will 
if the other team is working together and yours is not, you won't win. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I never played Overwatch 1, uh, but I get, did give this a go, uh, it, especially, you know, because it is free to play. And I have I already, yeah, I already had a Battle.net account, which I remember I think I tried to play maybe Diablo 2 Remastered and had to go through this fucking nightmarish process of re-authenticating and... Uh, getting through to the customer support team, which fucking sucked. But uh, anyway, yeah, straight into this after waiting half an hour uh, to get into the actual servers. But I fucking loved it. I, I've never really taken hugely to your vanilla-style first-person shooter online multiplayer. I found Halo to be a bit too much for me. It was a bit too fast twitch, and it was a bit too frenetic. Call of Duty, I just yeah, find similar... You know, it's it's a bit too much based on um, reflexes. Battlefield, I was always more into because there was some sense of strategy to it. And this, I think the teamwork aspect um, really drew me into it. I was always picking just the soldier. Um, I got to, you know, get a handle on the controls through the tutorial. And so just stuck with that character that I'd, you know, been playing with. And because there are people who are experts in the healer stuff, in the support stuff and all of the abilities, I was just kind of able to run around shooting people. And honestly, within a couple of matches, I felt like I'd got, you know, got my head around it. I really enjoyed the capture the flag stuff. Um, I really enjoyed the, even the visuals, but yeah, the mechanics of movement, movement and shooting in it really gelled with me. Don't know why, but um, they really just did. And, and I had a great time with it yesterday. Before the, the sort of um, uh, Battle Royale type games came along, this was like, this was the bridge between Call of Duty being the biggest multiplayer shooter. Then mm. it was kind of Overwatch for a bit before yep. it was, you know, PUBG and then Apex Legends and whatever and mm-hmm. Fortnite. This fits in closer with like an Apex or one of those types or like Valorant or whatever, I think, where you've got these abilities yes. and you're expected to do teamwork. And that's really the focus more than uh, your mechanical ability which is still important but if you know your skills and you know when to use them then mm. that is what will make the difference here um totally it's just it's and it's yeah it's been a good game for six years yeah and they've you know like changed aspects of it which you know overwatch has fallen out of where it was in like mm-hmm. a front mm. runner position in these sorts of multiplayer games so it makes sense that they would want to do things to reinvigorate it Yep, it's and just to, to to and also like copy even like visual user interface stuff of of the big ones. You know, it does. It did feel a bit like a a good version of Fortnite to me. I th- this is pretty similar to how it started off though. So Overwatch oh, cool. kind of had okay. it first, right? Right. Um, in in fairness, but uh, it just is um. It's it's really weird to to I mean it's not weird because online games this is what they do you you overwrite the old version with a new version that is a patch mm. and they progress over time it's just strange I guess to have a paid for product no longer exist in the same way as that's weird with Destiny two and is weird with a number of other games that have kind of done this with all the Stadia stuff as well I guess like yeah. the impermanence of what actually you are getting if you buy a game these days is a strange. Mm nebulous thing now because like you've still got the same game overwatch 2 still exists but it's also just free now and technically the thing you bought doesn't exist the fact that it is a numbered sequel to a game 
that, like, you know, going into Fortnite, you know this is a seasonal game where you install it once and you install updates every now and then and the content changes and that's what it is. That's it, right. what it is as a platform. The fact that this is like, hey, the sequel to Overwatch is out and it is now the only version of Overwatch. Right. right. Is, it's a is, sequel. I think, the particularly... To number it is yeah. weird, not just calling yeah. it like Overwatch, like, you know, putting a subtitle on it or something. Well, and yes. weirdly, this sequel is in early access, even though it also <laughs> functions as a patch for the first game. So, like, right. a lot of the content that was meant to be the sort of meat of Overwatch 2 doesn't exist yet. So, mm. it's it's a strange thing that, uh, yeah, certainly is is well made and is like a good version of the type of game it is you will definitely see people disagree with that online especially people who are really into overwatch there's a lot of different uh back and forth and on the 5v5 has ruined it or this has ruined right. it, or this character has ruined it and like that happens with every iteration on every game on some level. yeah and overwatch I, has it's a weird i'm just reading i want to vocal fan base i wanted to find some some like review reviews of this and i mean it's weird that forbes has great gaming coverage but they do i think a couple of their writers specifically are like you know i've done some great reviews of big single player games that we've you know seen in our in, in recent times while we've been doing the podcast right but they also have someone who's uh, a an overwatch specialist and they're fucking glowing on it the that quote the decision to drop one tank player per team despite the reservations that some players have <coughs> is one of the best changes blizzard has ever made to overwatch um team fights are more fluid and dynamic uh, it sounds like this person who is a big fan uh, of Overwatch 1 uh, has, if only if anything, become uh, more positive towards the game. So I don't know if this is just a personality and taste thing as opposed to it being like, you know, measurably less content or less to do. But fuck, I tell you what. In the little Google review sidebar, when I looked up Overwatch Two, right, little little fucking one stars. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. reckon if you if you anytime they change a rule in any sport, you will yeah. get the exact same reactions as are happening to Overwatch Two here, where people be like, "This is dead. You killed it." Some people be like, "This is exactly what the game needed. Uh, you sure. revived it." Like, and then five years later, you go, "Oh, it actually was pr- pretty good," because the people <laughs> who made the change. Uh, had spent years uh, figuring it out, but it, and it, everything's it, it different does yet again. You know, yeah. right, right, yeah. It'll always take some time to figure out it. But then you know, like I think the biggest issue at the at this point is the DDoS attacks. There was a second one apparently, like overnight. So people yeah. are really people are really trying to fuck people's shit up. <laughs> and online <laughs> games, you know, even if no one is deliberately trying to attack them, often I mean, Splatoon three is still a little choppy yes. on its server stuff so yeah it'll happen with 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 any of them but yeah it's just such a weird thing in terms of like what even is a fucking video game anymore (laughs) yeah like overwatch 2 doesn't mean jack shit right overwatch 1 has gone free to play and now you can pay for a battle pass if you want to uh and they deleted overwatch 1 but just called it overwatch 2 like they didn't delete it it's still here you just don't own it in the same way anymore. I don't know. And it never had any single player stuff really in it. Right. It was all seasonal right. anyway. So it's not, nothing's really changed. I guess it's just an excuse to make people review it again. It's it exactly. Yeah. It's a right? getting back in the public consciousness, trying to make yeah. Overwatch, you know, a, a big uh, relevant thing make, again, which make Overwatch great again. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is the way that they have phrased it. Mm. 
But yeah, because um, if you do the seasonal fortnight thing, it's just like you're preaching to the choir. Like that's really yeah. only going out to people that are already in the ecosystem. Whereas like, yeah, yeah, an announcement of like, yeah, this is out. It's like, well, that gets a you know that gets a few extra tweets, gets a few more people on it than it would have otherwise. And yeah. Fortnite goes, hey, it's chapter three now. You're like, what? You're not a book. What are you talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about? <laughs> oh, Thor. Uh, th- oh, wait, not Thor. Thanos is there. I guess Thor was in it too. But yeah, they have their big things. But they also do feel a bit like if you're not already playing it, you're confused as hell as to whether yeah. this is when to play it or not. But I guess, yeah, this this did get me to play Overwatch 2, and I do enjoy playing it. So I guess you got me, Blizzard. You got yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Fuck cool. off. <laughs> That's going to do us it's for another week. It's fuck off time now. <laughs> it's fuck off time. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Head to filthycasuals.com.au for the links to all the stuff that we have going on. We've got the Patreon where you can support the show, mm. get an extra episode every week, every Monday. Uh, that's us talking about movies and TV shows and uh, just anything that we're interested in culturally that's not video games. We've also got, yeah, the hundreds of videos on the YouTube channel. Yeah. We've got uh, us playing Grounded. Uh, that we talked about earlier. We've also got a playthrough of The Quarry, which we just finished. Yeah. Um, tons and tons of videos up on there, usually two a week. Uh, all sorts of different stuff. Uh, one-offs, um, big, long playthroughs. So, yeah, if you uh, if you enjoy this, go check out the video stuff because we, uh, we all enjoy doing it and we, mm. we, all think it's, we, we all think it's pretty good stuff that we're churning out over there. Um, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, uh, if you want to review us uh, uh, as in terms of a pod, that'd be great. If you want to go and subscribe and like and do all of the YouTube stuff that uh, people always tell you to do, that also would be appreciated. I know we never really say that stuff, but um, it would be, it's genuinely really, really helpful for you to, to, to yeah, comment and, and um, like the posts, uh, sorry, like the mm. videos, share them, post about them. Um, it, it really helps us. We don't really have any other kind of marketing arm. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all you filth. And we really do appreciate when you do do it. Same yeah, with the Patreon, I guess, since we're just saying all the stuff we appreciate. Like, we yes. appreciate that enormously and try our best to to make it worth it for you. Um, yes. So, yeah, if you want to wanna do that and if you're able to, you know, at yeah. the minute, yeah. time, times are tough. And that means they're toughly affecting us too, baby. That's right. I think every country <laughs> in the world built except a whole for zoo. <laughs> every country in the world except for America's dollar is uh, plunging. So it's a great time for the Yanks to jump on board. But um, yeah, yeah. I, our ten dollar US tier is uh, a free podcast every single week. Um, it is early access to YouTube videos, and it's also the Bandcamp or the the premium episodes, which uh, we've put them all up in the back catalog. So you get all of those if you jump on and you'll get the next one that'll be coming up in uh, a week or two. Yeah. 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 Thanks very much for listening guys. And we'll see you next week. And as we say here at the end of every episode of filthy casuals, it's weird that Ben didn't mention whether or not Matt Damon's performance was good in, uh, let's build a zoo. (laughs) We, we bought a zoo. Remember that movie? We, I googled who was in Weeboard. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.